Welcome to Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson. And me, Daddy Howard. We're two best friends entering the world of true crime. We'll be sharing the stories of some of the worst and wildest true crime cases in history and we're taking you along for the ride. In this episode, we're looking at the bloody lioness of Brittany, Jeanne de Clisson. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm a lot less uh, snotty than I was last week. Yeah, so sorry I, about that, everyone. I, I must admit, I noticed it on the episode before last when yeah. the ads popped in. Went from being all airy and free to thank you, better help for yeah. yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not proud of it. <laughs> Let's carry on with the podcast. <laughs> But like true yeah. professionals, we carry on. Yeah, we do. We just the show must go on. It the always podcast must go on. Yeah, you're sounding better. Thank you. Although now I've said that, I can literally feel myself like clogging up, and I don't know why. <laughs> your <laughs> nostrils are like. bitch. I didn't catch your cold either. And we're, we've been so in a pleased. confined space together. See, I don't catch anything. I am because my immune. germs are your germs, and your yeah, your germs came into me, and we're like, no, we'll leave it today. She's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was my gift to you. Was not fr- the friendly germ. Not giving you the germ. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, um, I've got to tell you something that I did last night. Oh, God. No. Oh, and no. And I was in the middle of doing it, and then I realised I'm insane. Oh, no. And then I imagine telling you the story, and you... So, okay, no, it's not bad, it's just... You've not made it I sound just, great. I so just spent far. too much time by myself. Let's put it that way. Okay. So, have you ever hummed along to the Hoover? You know, like the pitch of the Hoover, and it feels nice. <laughs> if you haven't, you need to do it no, because it feels nice. If you hum to the same pitch of the Hoover, you get like a ringing in your ears. It's almost like kind of like ASMR, but you might hate it. But it does feel quite nice. Or like any noise that's just a constant, you just go. Feels good. I've always done it. I don't know. You're weird. I know. But then last night I was leaving my downstairs toilet and it made a really funny squeak noise. And then I decided to mimic that squeak. So then what I did was I proceeded to swing my door backwards and forwards and copying the noise that it made. (laughs) And I found it so funny that I even did a voice memo of doing that last night. Who did you you send it to? No one. It's for my own records. Listen. Yeah, so I spent like a lot of time doing that. <laughs> and then I realised Are you okay? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> don't know. I don't think you <laughs> I don't think you are. I'm wearing like an oversized Mickey Mouse t shirt and like these huge fluffy trousers and then I'm just standing there with my t- <laughs> mm. <laughs> It's a good job you don't have neighbours at the moment. I know. <laughs> I know. It's because one of my doors, when you open it, sometimes sounds like it's, it's going. <laughs> so I was like, what else can I, how else can I mimic my door? It's very squeaky. I don't, oh, the, 
there's so many questions about this. Yeah. Um, the biggest one is why. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't want to know. You've, actually, I've got a little tear in my eye. <laughs> from that <laughs> I don't know what I didn't know where this was gonna go <laughs> I just really didn't expect it to go this way <laughs> well it did um I've been asking my, the, myself these questions as well like I, I I think things are great ideas and then and then I and I pursue them and then and then I have an out-of-body experience where I'm like what are you doing <laughs> and then I mean I don't worry I'm not gonna do anything like murder anyone or, or anything like that. If you do. But I do have fun with doors by the sounds of it. So I just say, if you do, you're not mm. going to be able to help yourself. Like, say you stab someone, you're going to be like, they'll be screaming and you'll be like, I just have these, I have these minutes. I have these moments when I'm in my house and I'm like, I'm an adult. This is all mine. And what do you do with this? This is all my. I've built this empire, and you spend your time mimicking doors. I know. This world isn't safe. You have a you have a successful social media platform. You have a successful like shop online shop you create t-shirts you make things you make content you have a successful podcast and yet you get joy from from doors doors. (laughs) what's helen's favorite band the doors (laughs) oh no I'm gonna. This is a rabbit hole. I'm gonna really enjoy leaving down. Wow. Oh my god. Wow. I don't. I think. To be fair, I think everyone will agree. We'll just leave it there, shall we? Um. Sorry, Jeanne de Clisson. Um. <laughs> Helen's Helen's peaked. Should I come around mine and play, play with my door? <laughs> I'm just waiting to like turn up one day. You'll be like, look at this. What? <laughs> it's just a draw, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> oh Helen, you're not, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, well, also, uh, no. I, I'm sorry, quickly on the vein of is Helen losing her mind? I think she is because I've also been experiencing um, peripheral vision hallucinations. Right. Okay, that's actually quite frightening. Yeah. So, like, uh, basically, if I see something in the corner of my eye. I might so for example, I was at McDonald's getting a McDonald's breakfast with Phil. And we sat in the car, it was raining, and we were sat right by one of the big black bins. Mm. Anyway, every time I turned to look at him, not every time, but a couple of times I looked looked at him, I thought someone was stood there. And even to the detail, I saw a woman in a black hoodie with a low bun and glasses on, handing out like a McDonald's bag, and I turned it was just the bin. And it's happened like a few times where Could I see. Could you have seen it in the mirror? No, it was right in the corner of my eye, oh. right there. Do and you know it was, what that is? What? It's the butt demon. Oh no! People say, "Am I being haunted?" Because I mentioned it in one of my vlogs, and someone said it's actually, uh, like a condition that people get before they get dementia. And then I looked it up, but that was actually like actual hallucinations, not not corner of the eye hallucination so I don't know what it is and sometimes I'll just see things that are actually inanimate objects but my eye will perceive it as like something or someone 
Like it would make sense that your butt that your butt demon, um, and I'm saying demon because it's hilarious. Uh, that it would make sense that your butt demon is a woman in a black hoodie with a McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna put that out there. <laughs> Appropriate. Maybe I have. Maybe the demon is following me around and taking different forms of things, fucking with my mind. But also, maybe it sometimes enters my body and makes me play with doors. <laughs> maybe it is in the doors. Maybe that is the demon. Like, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it one day, and I'm gonna go, and it's be like, you need to die. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God. Oh my goodness. Shall we? Um. Shall I take you through some dark, dark history instead, and uh, take your mind off things? Okay. Go on. Yeah. I think you're gonna like this one. It's a bit. Once again, it's a bit different. We're we're going way, way, way. Ah, cool. I like a historic one. Yeah, it's a historic one. Um, and it's not even that like. It's just a really good story. Okay. It's a fucking great story. Okay, I'm cool. excited to tell oh, you. Okay. I feel really conflicted with this because Jean de Clisson mm. technically did some really horrific things. Right. But I fucking love her. Really? Yeah. You'll find out why. Okay. Let me just open my drink. Hang on. Listen. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Helen's next side hustle is going to be a ASMR impersonating object you like that woman on tiktok who does the um how cheese would walk oh yeah <laughs> anyway i'm ready for the story hit yeah, me up okay, bitch. Cool. Let's we digress do let's set the scene okay it's the middle ages and somewhere between the coasts of england and france a mysterious fleet of dark ships are silently moving through the english channel sound effects like scary music Yeah, splash. Made of strong black wood and adorned with blood-red sails, the flagship My Revenge corners a French sailboat. The hardy crew of My Revenge jump to attack. Storming the boat by force, the men brutally murder every French crew member on sight, except from the noblemen. Those were saved for the captain to deal with. Who is their captain, I hear you ask? The lioness of Brittany, a scorned noblewoman hell-bent on revenge, determined to kill anyone who had anything to do with her late husband's death. For ten years, Jeanne de Clisson terrorised the Celtic Sea with her army, plundering, pirating and chopping people's heads off, all in the name of love. Ooh! Yeah! So let's go back to the start. Wow. Didn't see that one coming, no. did you? No. Gosh, she is dedicated. She must have loved him a lot. Oh, my God. Like, it's, a, it's just hold on to your butts. Cause oh, I'm holding on to my butt hold and on to my demon. And you. <laughs> I'm holding on. Because it's a great story. Okay. Oh, I'm just, before I actually get started, I'm just going to say this in that producer Alex has dicked me again. Because <laughs> there's... She's French. Jeanne de Clisson is French. A lot of this is set in France. I'm going to have to say so many French words. And we all know from Thierry Paulin, didn't go great. So I'm going to do my best again. (laughs) Sorry in advance. It's okay. Okay. So Jeanne de Clisson was born Jeanne-Louise de Belleville in 1300 in Belleville-Savie a little commune in western France. 
Her parents were noblemen Maurice Montague de Belleville and Paulo IV and Letice de Parthenay. So that's a lot of words, a lot of language, but basically she was born in to the de Belleville family who were a really wealthy family who had ruled the area for hundreds of years. So she was pretty well to do. Okay. The family were of a very high status and as well as just being generally top dogs of the area, they also worked in winemaking, they had salt farms and they had a huge stake in merchant shipping. So she's grown up with a background of ships. When Jeanne was three years old, her father Maurice, who was the last male heir to the de Belleville name, passed away, making her the last of the prestigious family. Oh, shit. Pressure. Yeah, at three years old, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Now, because it was the early 1300s, yeah. not a lot is known about her childhood, but we know she was wealthy and of noble blood, and she was rumoured to be well-educated, which is, um, as a woman or a girl, uh is unusual uh, for that time, time period. Like, I mean, you know, she's not going to have been as well-educated as all the men, but she'll have been as educated. She could read. Right. She'd have been able to read and write, and um, she probably would have spoken a fair few languages as well. Yeah. Good old girl. According to portraits, she had fair skin and flowing red hair. Ooh, fire. Yeah, and she was very pretty. Right. Yeah, so I kind of um, think of her as a cross between, like, Bodicea and, and Brave. Oh, yeah. Merida. 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 Yeah. Um, um, just a quick one. Right, so you know when you see these portraits of people from the old days mm. and they're, like, makeupless and they're all au natural and they're, like, deemed as beautiful? Sometimes, if I look in the mirror with my bare face, my hair flowing, I'd, I think... Would I have been deemed as beautiful back then? <laughs> oh, of course you would. <laughs> because it's just, obviously, beauty standards change so much over the time, and even more so now, like, there's a different beauty standard every fucking week these days. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder, like, what was, why you would have been deemed beautiful? That is know, interesting. It's just a natural, yeah. I think that we have a natural instinct on, like, what beauty and what, not beauty is like when you're attracted to something especially because like when historic records it's like you know like helena of troy like she was she was so beautiful that men went to war mm -hmm. for her like what did she look like yeah like what what made her that beautiful like or that you know so beautiful that people she was exception for people to yeah. make her sound except exceptionally beautiful yeah yeah um, obviously, that would be us. Yeah. But we're not beautiful anymore because it's the heroine chic has come back. Oh, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, we're yeah. too fat. Which, let's just not talk... That's just... that's That whole bullshit article that came out... Like, I know we're not here to talk about that, but... Oh, yeah, no. Was was bull, yeah, it's a bullshit beauty standard. Yeah. But, like, I'm, I'm fine with uh, people knowing that I eat food to stay alive. Yeah. So, uh, try it, everybody. It's great great time mm -hmm. anyway as it was the 1300s it wasn't long before little Jeanne was married off in fact when she was 12 years old she was married to Geoffrey de Chateaubriand a 19 year old heir to one of the key defensive states in the region 12 I know 12 is very young but I was thinking about this 
A, isn't it kind of lucky that he's only 19 and he's not some gross, like, 30-year-old or something? (laughs) Gross 30-year-old, thanks. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Us. Us. (laughs) (laughs) But um, uh, you imagine marrying a 12-year-old. No. Gross. Yeah, disgusting. But also, people didn't live very long in the 1300s. No, they didn't. So So he'd have been, like, an 8-year-old. Oh, no. Yeah, I think being 19. So I was trying to look this up and I couldn't get any kind of, like, set answer but a, a female peasant yes. in the, uh, what do they call it, medieval ages, like what is this with the Middle Ages, the late Middle Ages here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a female peasant in the late Middle Ages had an average life expectancy of between like 25 and 31. What? So in We'd be that, dead! Yeah, so in that <laughs> respect, she's middle-aged, like oh at God. the age of 12, which is so depressing. But obviously she's a noblewoman, so she she would have a longer life expectancy than that. But yeah, life expectancy. What does a wedding for a 12-year-old look like? Everything's really small. Oh, okay. Yeah, because she can't reach otherwise. No, but do they do the whole shebang? Does she get dressed? Does she have flowers? Like, do they have a feast? It's the Middle Ages, so I think they're lights and candles and roast a pig, maybe. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, we're saying that she's too young to have a husband, and we are right. But... Jeffrey, at the age of 19, who is also quite young to be a husband, he's already a widower. What? Yeah, his wife has already died. Because people, like, genuinely really did not last long. Like, No, because also she's 12. She's going to be impregnated, most likely. Healthcare is bad back then. A a tiny 12-year-old body carrying and birthing a child. Well, you say this. Okay. Um, She had a son. When she was 14. <gasps> okay. Uh, another Jeffrey. Okay. Again, like people just naming people the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. And then she had her second child, a daughter called Louise, at the age of 16. For 10 years, things were fairly normal for Jeanne. She raised the children, Jeffrey looked after the land, and by all accounts, she seemed to be happy. Mm-hmm. Nice. And that was until 1326 when disaster struck. Okay. Her husband of a decade died, leaving her alone with the two children. And life was cruel to 14th century women. Uh, So she needed to act fast. And Jeanne needed cash. She needed a guardian. So it was time to get married again as soon as possible. And this time she was married to a man called Guy de Pontivre. Could she not have gone back to her parents' house? Her dad wasn't there. She was the last one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So she married this guy. Guy Pontivre. Okay. Uh, it wasn't a good match. Jeanne oh, had gambled in order to make sure that she could support her young children and that gamble did not pay off. Crap. It turned out that Guy actually wasn't as single as he made out to be and he had actually been promised to marry a young noblewoman called Marie from the high-ranking Dubois family. Um, I'm going to have to say that name quite a few times throughout this and I hate it. <laughs> Um, it's spelled B-L-O-I-S and my mouth just does not want to move that way. Okay. Blois. Blois. I so, think it's sound, you're sounding good. Thank you. I apologise to everybody who is French speaking. Um, the Dubois family were so high ranking that they got in touch with the Pope. Christ. Like, yep. Just the head of religion mm-hmm. and had him pull some strings to annul Guy's marriage to Jean. So that he could marry their daughter like he promised. Yeah. Oh, God. So we'll get to Jeanne's murderous tendencies in a bit. But I'm just going to say this. 
Guy never actually got to marry Marie de Blois. Mm-hmm. And no one knows how, but he mysteriously died before he could walk down the aisle. Oh, right. Yes, conveniently died. So it was back to single life for Jean. Okay. Rumour had it every guy in the area was after her because she was so beautiful. Ooh. But she only had eyes for one man, and that was Olivier de Clisson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Olivier was a wealthy man from Brittany who had a castle, a manor house, and lots and lots of land. And they were a perfect match. They fell madly in love and were married in the same year that they met. Cute. I want like tiny violins here and little like birds singing because it does. <laughs> oh. What do you have there for me? Ready? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that almost sounds like the one you know where Sims have sex. Yeah. <laughs> or they have their first kiss. Yeah. Woo-woo. Yeah. <laughs> History tells us that it was a really happy marriage. Um, I know, and we never hear enough of that, so I'm, I'm happy to hear it. A nice happy marriage. And they soon had five children of their own. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's already got two as well. Yeah. So uh, there's Isabeau the first mm-hmm. I love that name Isabeau Isabeau mm-hmm. that's cute yeah Maurice mm-hmm. Olivier mm-hmm. Guillaume mm-hmm. and Jean Jean because you know you've got to name some kids that are the same name yeah we know this from uh, what's her face Delphine Delphine Marie that was it <laughs> yeah, everybody was called Marie <laughs> Marie 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 but at least she got a bit creative yeah yeah and together they lived as luxuriously as the 14th century would allow them but things Cute. were about to get rocky. Oh, God. Because we can't live happily forever after in nope. these stories because it would be a very boring podcast. Would it? Maybe mm-hmm. that's another, instead of true crime, we just have true happiness. Yeah. <laughs> and we just tell really nice stories. A bit about people's holidays and like their sort of yeah. life together. Okay, we'll start, we'll start a second podcast um, uh, eventually and it will be true true happiness we're inventing a new genre and we just tell lovely stories and have a nice time we'll, we'll call it devils in the delight <laughs> yeah i love it don't steal that idea no, peeps you heard it here first yeah we're copywriting it okay so for i'm going to give you some context now living in castles and manor houses in Brittany sounds really nice but because it was the middle ages it actually wasn't but it was pretty dirty, wasn't it? A lot of poo and well, yeah, stuff. and candles and shit. Like, yeah. yeah. But actually, um, Jeanne's life was had happening right in the middle of the brutal and bloody Hundred Years' War. Oh, um, the Hundred Years' War was a series of seemingly endless battles between England and France because they both wanted territories like Brittany, mm-hmm. and they absolutely hated each other. Okay, the British and the French have a long-standing history of. Hate. Hate. That's why the war. French don't really like us when we go to Paris and stuff. I think it's just because they think English people are bolshy and rude and English people think the same. And to be honest, English people are bolshy and rude a lot of the time, aren't we? So, yeah. Yeah. But I don't think that's just the only reason why they're at war. In her hometown, two guys started fighting over who was in charge of the region and it wasn't long before the English and French started backing each side because they loved to go to war. They were trying to wheedle in and grab the region for themselves. The French backed a guy called Charles Dubois. Okay. I feel like I'm actually just making the noise of vomit whenever I say that. Like no, I'm You're about doing to sound, very well. I think you so are. so sorry. I'm really no. very anxious about it. It's fine. 
So we've got Charles on the French side and then the English-backed John of Montford. That's a lot easier to say. Okay. The fight between the two men was all anyone could talk about in town and the de Clisson family wanted in on the action. But who they gave their support to was a surprise to everyone because they backed Charles de Blois and obviously, you know, Jeanne kind of hates the de Blois family because they dicked her over with the with Guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The two men gathered their troops and met for the bloody battle of La roche Derrien. Charles managed to find 5,000 soldiers to battle for him. And he really thought he was going to win. So these aren't just small scale, like, you what? know. What? That's a lot of Yeah, people. exactly. Like, there's a lot of people involved. And the whole town thought he was going to win. So they'd sent their sons and their husbands to join the fray. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah. Although the English didn't have as many men, they had tactics where Charles's army didn't. Yeah, and the French were defeated. Oh, fuck shit. Yeah, it was bloody. And the de Clisons had bet on the wrong team, essentially. But it wasn't just the pain of supporting the losing side that got to Jeanne. Her firstborn son, Geoffrey of Chateaubriand, mm-hmm. had joined the fight and, and died. Paid with his life. Oh, no. Yeah, he died. And it wasn't long before tragedy stuck Jeanne again. After the Battle of La Roche d'Arien, Jeanne's beloved husband, Olivier, had travelled to the Breton town of Vannes mm-hmm. to defend the people. But the town was overthrown by the English and Olivier was taken hostage. <gasps> okay. And they love each other. So much. So much. They're happily married and we don't get to hear that very often. Okay. Now he's been imprisoned. He's been taken. He's been taken. Jan isn't about to call them on the phone and say that she has a particular say. set of skills. <laughs> because it's the 1300s. Yeah. So she wrote a letter. <laughs> I, said, uh, I will find you. <laughs> I have a particular set of skills. Um, uh, I've got no. to watch that again. That film is, fu- that film is fucking cool, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, she actually does write a letter, but that, I'll get to that in just a minute. Okay. Um, the English soldiers had a plan because they knew that Mr. de Clisson was a man with money and he was a man who had friends with money. And they were planning on getting as much of that as they could. So the captors contacted Charles de Blois asking for money for Olivier's freedom. But, and this is, it sounds mad, but they asked for such a low amount of money that Charles didn't believe it was a real hostage situation. What? Yeah. Okay. He was so suspicious that he decided Olivier must be working with the English and that this must be some kind of trick. So he just never responded. Oh, shit. Yeah. So the English people were stupid and didn't ask for enough money. Charles was stupid and was suspicious. And was like, this is a trick because they've lowballed. Mm-hmm. Instead of just being like, lol, I'll, what a bargain. So Jeanne is just there. <laughs> she wasn't going to let her man go down without a fight, though. And in what was perhaps the first hint at her growing disdain... For her country mm-hmm. she bribed a royal sergeant to pass a message to olivier warning him about a possible ex- execution and giving him some hints as to how he might hamper it okay so she did write a letter right you know not about skills but about the fact that they were planning on executing olivier possibly mm-hmm. but the sergeant that jeanne had bribed he screwed her over and he took the money and didn't deliver the message Kept it, all, kept it all to himself. Yeah. So after a year of getting no joy from the French, Olivier was strangely let out of jail for free. 
right. in January 1343. After a prisoner exchange, he was allowed to return to his wife and children, who were, of course, overjoyed to see him. Yeah. You know, everything's happy and lovely. And that's where the story ends. Of course, it doesn't end there. You Wait. had me for a second Did then. I? Yeah. I oh. Like, what? This is, a, <laughs> this is a shit episode, Dad. <laughs> the intro was a lie. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, let's put some tense music in here because there's not going to be a happy ending. Oh, I love love, though. Murder doesn't love love. We're not here to love love. Okay. I love love, but what no, ha- what the happens? Middle Ages doesn't love love. What happened? Olivier's back with Jeanne and the kids. They're having a lovely time. They're catching up. They're just enjoying each other. All that kind of wholesome family stuff. And then an invitation comes in the post. Oh, happy day. It's an invite to a tournament just outside of Brittany. The tournament was to celebrate a truce between the French and English. How exciting. Yeah. Everything's coming up to Clisson. So he packs his things. Olivier packs his things and he heads to the tournament, ready to celebrate. But things were not as they seemed. God. The French had created a trap. <gasps> it was a ruse. Why? The king's forces immediately arrested Olivier for treason and sent him straight to trial. Hang on. Why? It was just all a he, trick. What did he do? He didn't do anything wrong. Because they think that he was working with the English to steal money. Oh, ah, right. Because of Charles that low, that low yeah. thing. Shit. This escalated. That's really and snowballs. that's just come out of nowhere, really, yeah. hasn't it? So this huge misunderstanding with Charles de Bois... And the ransom money. Oh, bwah, bwah, yeah. Bullsack, bwah. Yeah, it's exploded. And now Olivier is begging the French king and his old mate Charles for his life. <gasps> He's like, no, genuinely, I was taken hostage. They just didn't want that much money for me. <laughs> we have like, a little bit butter yeah, about, it's not, but, yeah, you know. it's, it's not a strong argument, is it? <laughs> like, I'm just not worth that much. <laughs> I know. But it didn't matter how much he pleaded because neither the king or Charles believed him. And sadly, he was taken... <laughs> He was taken to Paris and straight to the chopping block to be no! executed. Yeah. So Olivier's Shit. lost his head. Oh, and, and for nothing, really. He didn't do anything. Like, literally nothing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jeanne was in shock because she'd finally got her husband back, thought he was going off to some lovely safe tournament fun thing, only for him to actually be snatched away and horrifically killed. And to make things worse... The king had Olivier's head displayed on a stake in the town of Nantes and told Jeanne where to find him. Oh, my God. Yeah, so Jeanne packed her things and her children, headed to Nantes to see the remains of her dead husband. As they looked over Olivier's bloody remains, she told her children that there were two men to blame for their father's death, and those two men were Charles de Blois Mm -hmm. and King Philip IV, and they were going to pay this is where the montage yeah. starts and, and where like, she learns how to sword fight and axe throw and she cuts off her hair and it's just like dun, 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 dun. yeah like, it's like that bit in Mulan where she she does the thing yeah and I want like um, sound effects of like fire crackling and stuff because like the, the flames of her rage have been stoked she's about to really unleash some shit but I find it really hard to sort of uh, not sympathise with her why? Because she's fucking angry. Because oh, sorry. I'm, so you yeah. find it really hard not to sympathise with her? Yeah. No, I definitely get it. Rampage. 
This is why, you know, like the revenge killing thing, because Lord Lucan went missing and and the, the, the son of the of the woman that died, did he go and kill him in revenge? And you were like, no. And I'm like, oh, vengeance. But this is vengeance. This is vengeance. You're finally getting your vengeance. I'm getting my vengeance. Yes. Yeah. So Jeanne de Clisson was a woman scorned and she was going to do whatever she could to exact revenge on the men that had ruined her life. Jeanne had a plan. <laughs> First, she sold off the entirety of her and her husband's land, properties and possessions, and used the money to raise a small army of her own. Yeah, cool. Then, she set eyes on her first target, Charles de Blois. Cool. To get Charles, she would need to rattle him first, so mm-hmm. she ordered her troops to storm the castle of Tufa, which was full of people loyal to Charles, but she needed a way in. So, she went up to the castle on her own, crying and sniffing and knowing that if people saw her, they would recognise her as Olivier's widow and they would probably let her in. And she was right. They opened the castle doors, just let her in, and then her troops appeared from over the hill and stormed the place. (laughs) Yes. She ordered her army to kill every single person at the castle, but leave just one very traumatised survivor. Because this way, she would have someone to spread the word. Oh, okay. Jeanne de Clisson is coming for you. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's dark, isn't it? Yeah. Keep Did she get him as well? She got him. No, he wasn't there. Oh, no, she's just sending a message. Oh, she's okay. done this on purpose. This is tactics. She right. knew he wasn't there. Yeah, but he said she's sending a message. She's going to rattle him. Okay. I thought the her arriving at the gates was the rattling. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a jingle. <laughs> now she's rattling. But don't forget, Jeanne wasn't just pissed at Charles and the king anymore. She was mad at anyone who supported the king in the first place. Okay. So she rolled through France, just gathering any other unhappy rich people that hated the king and encouraged them to join her rebellion. And amazingly, she convinced so many rich people who weren't fans of the king to support her financially, growing her army every few weeks. This is mad. Just a quick question. Quick diver, diverse no what's the word a quick tangent right at what point could you stop buying yourself an army could could i buy an army if i had enough money could you buy one i think so yeah you buy armies i think there's mercenaries isn't there but if i wanted to hire five thousand troops and i just decided one day i'm going to i'm going to invade no whitby ask putin He's done it. No. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Don't do that. Good, no, but he owns a country. He's, you know, he's... Yeah, I think that's how but you like do a, it. Could a civilian just buy an army and then I don't march know around? Where, I guess in theory, yes. I don't know where you would get them from. Because, You'd have to have like a recruitment drive, I think. Because the army, it belongs to like the country doesn't it yeah the queen so there's yeah so then there isn't like private armies that people just train for i don't know uh i i would assume i think that's where you'd go to like uh sort of uh less privileged countries like or third world countries and recruit people to fight for you because you're going to pay them lots of money that they can send to their You families. just sort of need, just a, 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 I guess back then people were more trained at being a soldier. Yeah, well, everybody sort of... Swords and stuff. Yeah, yeah, 
and there was nobility and stuff yeah so they would have had probably had military involvement anyway true yeah it'd be a disaster if you could buy armies anyway these days everybody would be doing it yeah anyway Um, that would just i just thought of that like as if you could just buy an army back then yeah she did yeah cool right Um, so she's going around she's just getting funding from all the other people that hate the king then what yep anyone that did support the king she had them murdered cool so she was storming castles and annihilating noble families left, right and centre. And France wasn't happy about it. Okay, you can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeanne was labelled a traitor and she was basically an enemy of the state at this point. But instead of going into hiding or even giving herself up, she got creative. Cool. Yeah, she used what was left of her husband's fortune and bought a small fleet of ships. The ships had dark black wood, blood red sails and her ship, the flagship, was called My Revenge or Maravanche in French, which also sounds quite aggressive, doesn't it? The boats had a name, and they were known as the Black Fleet. Cool! The Flotte Noire. This is... Sorry, this is sounding a little bit like the last couple of seasons of Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's very... <laughs> Buys herself some boats. It's very black sails, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there'll be dragons coming soon. <laughs> but the La Flotte Noire, the Black Fleet they set fear into the hearts of any that saw them across the ocean. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So the I'm Kraken's like coming. Pirates of the Caribbean vibe. Now, yeah, yeah, like... But it. it's just pirates of the Celtic Sea. It's not yeah. nearly as warm. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling pretty done with France and probably trying to escape all the fallout from her horrific spree, Jeanne gathered her children and boarded her flagship. With the rest of the fleet in tow, Jeanne headed to England to trawl the channel and wipe out any ships that were loyal to the King of France. Her crew would storm the ship first, wiping out any men on board, except for the noblemen, and then Jeanne would arrive and decapitate every one of them in honour of her dead husband. Cool. Yep. And then they would take anything and everything of value and simply move on. Wow. So she's pirating, she's killing, she's plundering. She's doing a lot of revenge for one person. She's cutting heads and taking names. Yeah. But she's a woman scorned. Her heart has been broken. Is her... Um, by France. And she blames France. Well, the whole of France. Yeah. I can see that. But what is her goal, though? Is she wants to get the king's head? And Bois's head? Yeah, eventually. But okay. she wants them to... She wants to, like, fuck shit up first. Okay. She wants them to suffer. If there were any crew left on death's door, they'd be left to tell the tale of okay. the lioness of Brittany. Her legend was spreading, but perhaps not quite in the way that she wanted it to. Because while she was busy destroying King Philip's ships, word was making it back to the royal family to tell them exactly where she was. King Philip sent his best men to destroy Jeanne and her family. No. But when the king's forces arrived to take on the Black Fleet, Mother Nature was on Jeanne's side. A huge storm hit, causing chaos amongst the huge sailboats. And luckily, Jeanne managed to grab her children, jump into a smaller rowing boat and started paddling furiously towards the English coast. The choppy and dangerous journey to England in the rowing boat took five days and nights. No! Yeah. Really? Yeah. But people swim the channel in less time. It was a stormy sea. They were in a rowboat. Yeah, that could have pushed them out somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. And sadly, not everyone made it. Shit. On the way, Jeanne's son Guillaume sadly died from exposure at just seven years old. Oh my god. Yeah, so that must have been heartbreaking. 
but Jeanne still had to get herself, her nine-year-old son Olivier and her five-year-old daughter Jeanne back to England. Just as a side note, I think that Olivier and Jeanne were actually the only children she had left by then. Oh, crap. Because Guillaume's just died in the boat. Mm. Isabeau had been married and I think she had she was she died by then she died young she died at the age of 19 so fuck and it looks like Maurice one of the children that she had with Olivier actually died as an infant oh that's sad well the middle ages really weren't great for life expectancy yeah incredibly Jeanne Olivier and Jeanne they made it and since she'd been making a name for herself, slaughtering hundreds of French men and just leaving one or two to tell the tale, she was welcomed into England with open arms. They fucking oh, loved it. <laughs> like, cheers, mate, you've been doing our job for us. Yeah. The English loved her so much, they happily supplied Jeanne with money and goods so she could fix up the Black Fleet and get back out attacking French ships on the English Channel. <laughs> like, Good job, girl. Get back out there. <laughs> Hey, yeah, the rampage. <laughs> like, remember those guys? They killed your husband. Whoa, keep Fuck going. <laughs> so at 45 years old, Jeanne had a new life. At 45. Of course, she's doing all right. She's already she? doing well, yeah. Her ships, the Black Fleet, patrolled the English Channel, taking down the French. But now she was getting paid by the English. So she did have to do a little bit more than chopping the heads off French noblemen. She had a job now. Oh, okay. So she used her ships to ferry important supplies to the Englishmen fighting the Hundred Years' War back in her homeland, France. She spent 10 more years at sea before one last job sent her on another risky escape back to England. So she's been at sea, right? And she's had to head back to England. Yep, exactly. And now she's she's 55 years old, which is... Pretty old for the Middle Ages, getting on a bit. Uh, She was welcomed back into the English court and was even named an official ally in the Calais Treaty. And after finally feeling some sort of closure after her husband's untimely execution, you know, so just after like... Ten years of murder. A casual ten years of murder. I think it's closer to 20. Whoa! Whoa. At this point, she, she finally found some closure. Okay. And Jeanne fell in love. Again, again. In 1356, she married a handsome English knight. He was called Sir Walter Bentley and had fought for years for England during the war. The English king at the time was very impressed with Jeanne and rewarded her long-time loyalty with money to replace what she would have inherited had she not been branded as a French traitor. No way, that's quite cool, isn't it? And Walter was appointed as an English royal lieutenant in France. Ooh. Oh, ah. But but does that mean he has to go to France? I don't feel like it's safe there to be there. (laughs) But the Hundred Year War was finally over. Right. So she took her new English knight husband and retired in Brittany. Of all places. No, 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 this isn't good. Why would she do that? Stay in England, it's safe. They don't know know you there. She's literally spent her whole adult life terrorising France and now she's gone back there for a nice, happy little retirement. (sighs) Okay. Yeah. And in a kind of notebook ending, a few short years later, the pair died just a few weeks away from each other from natural causes. Oh, thank God. I just didn't want her to get assassinated. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, she lived to the age of 59, which great yeah during the middle ages is incredible she gave birth i think what seven times at least that we know of and was fine yeah we know of um 
and she lived through a war. Yep. Uh, the bubonic plague also happened in that time. Wow. Yep. So that 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 rose up, killed loads of people. That did, but not Jeanne de Clisson because she was indestructible. Is there a movie on her? Because I, I want to watch it. There isn't. God, why? I know. I don't. I don't know why. But I want to watch it as well. Yeah. Yeah. There was one part of her revenge plan though that Jeanne never got to enact because Charles de Blois was still alive. Oh, that prick. Yeah. But that was until Jeanne's son Olivier the fifth followed in his mother's footsteps. <laughs> yeah. They got nothing else to do really no. back then, so it's they just, just like <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no TV. No. <laughs> just revenge. <laughs> Murder. Yeah, Olivier was nicknamed the Butcher by his own allies. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he joined the English and he fought for them for many years. But he never lost sight of his mother's plan against his father's enemies. So he helped devise a plan that would separate the Charles de Blois from the rest of the French army. And in a daring attack that would have made his mother very proud, Olivier V and his soldiers surrounded and bloodily murdered Charles de Bois on the 29th of September. <laughs> and while Jeanne de Clisson died in Brittany, legend has it that her spirit made its way back to her favourite place, which was her home with Olivier um, in Clisson Castle. Cool! And some say that her ghost walks around those very halls to this day. Shall we go there on another school trip after yeah, okay. we've been to the crane place? We'll go to can... the cranes. Jeanne, we want to give you a high five. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take her some flowers or something. Yeah. That was the story of the murderous pirates, the lioness of Brittany, Jeanne de Clisson. She is cool. Isn't she? Yeah, like, yeah. I like that one. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, okay, she brutally killed uh, hundreds of people, maybe yeah. thousands of people. We don't know. But, like, I don't know. I just love her. I just like re- revenge in the name of love. Yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah. And uh, because it happened so, so long ago, like this is real. Yeah. But it sounds completely like a fairy tale, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she's this redheaded lioness. It's just kind of like, it's almost empowering yeah. in a way for that, you know, a rampage in the same way today would just be so horrific and terrible. I, 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 <laughs> I think it's impressive. And we go, yeah, she's fucking cool. Because a woman in the Middle Ages with power, yeah. significant power, yeah, uh, who isn't afraid to do something that ballsy to go and just kill whoever because she's fucked off. And also, like, it, the, the, like, the whole age thing that she was older, like 45 when she started doing it, I think when it's put into context of the time and when it was and women's position in history and stuff, like, that's when you think, fuck yeah! Yeah. That bitch knows what she wants. She wants to go out and she wants to fucking kill in the name of love. Which is actually, did it. actually quite mental. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, she just broke a load but of boundaries. Just, don't give a shit. She, she did all of the things a French noblewoman wasn't Wouldn't, supposed to do. Yeah, and that was kind of cool. Yeah. So, good old, good old job. And I think that's kind of one of the only scenarios where we can actually say that about the subject of the podcast you know what i mean well it was in the 1300s wasn't it like, yeah obviously 
it feels so disconnected from reality because it was so long ago that you're like, yeah, she's cool. But yeah. imagine doing something like that now. You'd be like, oh, oh God. God. Well, like in essence, <laughs> Eileen Walnuss, mm-hmm. you know, tried to claim that she acted out of revenge or like yeah. self-defense. But that wasn't even close to being the same thing. No. Like it was, uh, and it was horrific and we can't support her in any way, shape or form. Like no. I don't want to. No, no, no. Uh, so it's quite, for me, that's quite interesting. Like just how the sort of different relationships with their stories and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. God, we just got really deep then. Yeah, we, we did. Whoa. I, I like that one. I, I like that one too. Like a story. I love a story. I do. <laughs> okay well next time on devils in the dark with me helen anderson and me danny howard it's the final it's the season finale Woo! that's gone so quick i know I've just been having such a lovely time. Me too. I'm really sad. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this season so oh, far. I like the little bit, little bit of change. Nice little bit of change. A little bit of history. Yeah. Cool, isn't it? Um, we're going to be exploring the infamous and iconic Bonnie and Clyde. Cool. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of Devils in the Dark. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode... Please do check out the description for lots of helpful resources. I will say, if you ever felt like you need to rampage, revenge and buy a fleet of ships in an army, I don't know if we do have the resources for that. But definitely do seek help. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Please, please, please. Special thanks go out to our wonderful producers at Audio Boom Studios. Ta-ta. Bye-bye. Au revoir. Oh, au revoir. Hey.